afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everyone, welcome to Rock Solid, your comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I am Pat Francis. But I'm Gary Lucy. Conflict. Oh. No. Wait, no, I'm Gary Lucy. <laughs> no, wait, wait. Gary, I ran into a friend of yours up at uh, the San Francisco Sketch Fest. Su- oh, yeah? Susie? Oh, Susie Racho. Oh, cool. Yeah, really nice and had nothing but great things to say about you. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She was... Uh we uh, we went to college together. You see a lot of comedy together. You know, I can't go on the damn internet without seeing uh, pictures of you and Matt uh, partying with Florence Henderson. What the hell is that about? That lady knows how to get down. <laughs> Does she really? Yeah. No, she was really, really. Uh, 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 well, I just she was just a, a, a gracious, sweet mm-hmm. presence. Very nice. Knew how to play with uh, the jackasses and um, and and was classy. A classy lady. We had fun with her. I was hoping she'd be filthy. She was filthy. She oh. was. Uh, she was. Um, what do you, I don't like the word body, but she and she wasn't <laughs> down and dirty. But she was uh, a little. Not that. Not that fake. You say risque. She did make a dick joke. She did make it. She said dick, and she alluded that Jimmy needed to fuck more. Wow. <laughs> right. Yeah, you can hear all that. It's a bonus episode of uh, Never Not Funny. Cool. Uh, by the time this comes out, that'll that'll probably, already be yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. But no, she was great. Yeah, Sketchfest episode. Ex- exciting. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Meet your you. heroes. Did you think when you like were getting into this that you would ever uh, party with Florence Henderson? Uh, no, no. Now, uh, Kathleen Turner, here I come. <laughs> yes. Stop the press. What? What? What's, what the, what's the going heck? on? Oh. I have a new segment, an occasional segment. <laughs> oh, no. It's a brand new single. Wait a minute. I don't You're think either of you have heard it. I'm taking partner. over. I'm okay. taking over. <laughs> shut up. Everybody shut up. Okay. <laughs> I've got a song to play. You guys get to play all the songs you want. <laughs> wow. Now I got a song. I don't know if you've heard this or not. By the time this episode airs, I think the entire world will have heard this. But uh, I'm, I'm hoping you've never, you guys, this, I want a virgin reactions to this new single. It's going to change the world, you guys. You ready? All yes. right. Love it. That is some uh, cutting edge 2006 uh, Gwen Stefani action there. That's uh, mad. No, has she been listening to my lady Avril Lavigne with the hand claps <laughs> it, it and sounds, the Madonna? It's, it's, it's in the grand tradition of Mickey and yep. uh, Gwen Stefani, uh, Avril Lavigne. It's, it's a classic cheerleader chant song. So, what, But what do you think of it? I love it. I heard it last night for the first time, and I think it's addictive. Do you L-U-V it? I, L- <laughs> I L-U-V Madonna. And the album's called M-D-N-A. Yeah. Madonna. 
Madonna. That's like that's like if you're gonna text about Madonna, that's how you write it. So back in her bad girl days, it would have been L U V vagina. Oh. L-U- <laughs> well, she's matured. It would have been V G N A vagina. <laughs> I'm gonna call my shot. We're we're at taping this in the morning of Super Bowl Sunday. I'm gonna say that that Super Bowl halftime show is gonna be glorious. I assume she'll play this. Yeah, probably so. Um, amidst yeah. some uh, time-worn classics yeah. like Lucky Star and... and Borderline uh, and Hump a Chair. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it'll be good, and I bet the Patriots will win uh, 27-16. And uh, I'm going for Green Bay. <laughs> okay. All right, stick with that. Um, also, uh, <laughs> what, what, what did you think? What, I, I, I did like it. It was fun. Have, did you, have you heard it before? I have not heard it. I knew it was out, but I had not heard it. Gary? I have not heard it before. I think I might have seen... A, is there a, a commercial... Floating around, maybe I might oh, have got like a, a little teaser of it, but uh, I think it's fine. I think uh, I think we ignore Madonna at our peril. I think she's. Uh, <laughs> I think yeah, she's, I mean, I, I, ever since she re-embraced dance, like yes. just straight up, I, I, I like it. I, I just I can't. That's irresistible to me. Madonna mm-hmm. is a is not, is not so much a recording art known for her vocals, or she's she's a pop culture entity. Yeah, so she can. Uh, you know, she doesn't, and and she, this is this is catchy. I mean, yeah. it, my, I think Martin Solvang produced it. Uh, who I, I like that song "Hello" that he did uh, for Lionel Richie with <laughs> Dragon Hat. Look, no, it was a, it was a uh, hit song last year, I think. Look, after thirty years, she's still making music, and we're still talking about it. Yeah. So she's doing something right. So, uh, although Elton John, uh, there's a there's a had his, has a YouTube videotape message uh, from Elton John that tells Madonna. Uh, 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 have fun lip syncing today. Ooh. Or he says lip sync good today. Meow. On the, on the, uh, on the um, why does Elton John bothering? Yeah. Why does he care? Yeah. He wakes up and he grabs his, his gold plated laptop and he says, uh, <laughs> I'm going to make a video message for that bitch. <laughs> lip sync good today. He's so bitchy all of a sudden. He too. is. He's just mad because she stole his accent. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, this is, yeah, this, this is the, like, like our, we're just barely into 2012, and uh, the good songs are uh, starting to come out. I might, I might, I might, I think uh, between that Madonna song and this one we're about to hear right now, it's going to be a heated battle for- You got uh, something? I got some brand new, hot off the presses. Right. We've been talking about a little bit on Facebook. Uh, it's a, a band we talked about a, a couple episodes ago. All right. And they are back, and it's exciting, and it's just total ear candy. I am no messenger. See if you can guess who it is. But I will give you a message. A message? <laughs> yeah. Instant classic. Amazing video, like it's like animated in the style of like it, Napoleon Dynamite's Liger it, drawings or something. It's and really there's cool. an homage to Queen. Totally. There's a picture, a drawing of Queen. It says champs under them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Gary, you want to tell people who that is? That's the darkness. I thought they the broke darkness. up. I thought they broke up. They're back, I guess, apparently, and none too soon. Wonder no. who, who produced this one? Is it Roy Thomas Baker again? Uh, uh, let's just go with that. Let's just say it is. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. it sounds like it. That That's be, pretty good. Could very well be. Hey, speaking of Queen, what do you think of that news that uh, Adam Lambert's like the new uh, singer of Queen. Well, you know what? I think uh, I, I think he's better to sing the Queen 
catalog than Paul Rogers is. Paul Rogers is a great vocalist, but he doesn't sing like Freddie Mercury. I wish, but uh, I I wish we could split the difference between the two because yeah. Adam Lambert, like I'm 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 pulling for the kid, but uh, his his voice, like you said, it's a powerful voice, but yeah. it's, it's not a very pleasing tone. It's really uh, yeah, so it's, it's got a car be, alarm quality to it. I, I did not see the uh, I did not see the um, the Paul Rogers Queen tour, but I will go see this because I think that he'll because you you're totally glambert. That's what people think. <laughs> glambert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and. Uh, so you know it's uh, it's it's hard because I love Queen and 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 those guys shouldn't just have to stop being Queen because Freddie died if they want to pay tribute to him it's 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 hard we should just re- keep restocking our classic rock bands like with new people with new people so they go on like yeah Freddie I mean you can't replace him he's not he's yeah. you can't replace Freddie Mercury right you can't absolutely I Fish thought maybe they would do it other. after the uh, Freddie Mercury tribute concert in ninety one I thought maybe they would go out with uh, George Michael. Because he did a good job of somebody to love. Oh, that. that would be good. Or can't they find a tiny Filipino guy? Or just take someone print. out to lip sync. So, yes, that's fine. Either I'll go out and lip sync those tunes. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, what's the difference make after like I don't know. 17 rows? You can't tell anyway. Well, you ready to get into it? I'm ready to get into it. This is a, uh, this episode is uh, one. This is the brainchild of one uh, Pat Francis. Hey, man. And it's called, uh, it's a little something called uh, The Producer's Chair. The Producer's Chair. It's all about Matt Belknap. Yes. Matt, <laughs> hey, look, if I had to pick a podcast producer, Matt's the guy. He's... He makes these podcasts sound good. He does. He, what do you? How many do you do? Six, seven? Uh, right now, I think five. Wow, five! You do that TJ Miller thing? Well, that's not out yet. That's a secret. Ixnay on the never Miller mind. Man. Matt's uh, doing many secret projects too. This is your favorite one, though, right? Doing. <laughs> I do love this one. This is oh, a lot good. of fun. Laughing. Oh, um, so what we're going to do is Gary picked a producer. I picked a producer, and then we're going to go through a bunch of of their work with different artists and sh- show some range of what they can do and and why we like them and uh before we start we should talk about like uh, what what is a producer what do you think like like is a producer like analogous to a director of a movie it's someone who kind of he 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 holds the flag of the creative vision of the project he kind of calls the shots yeah and uh so you know he might he might have a very heavy hand and really put his personal stamp on it, mm-hmm. or he might have a hand-on approach, but, but ultimately, it's the captain at the wheel, right? When yeah, and the group the is, you're really giving up a lot when you go into the studio with the producer and you go, okay, here, we're putting our, uh, our babies in your hands. Yeah. Sometimes producers co-write some songs, too. They can help it, with the song, yeah. uh, you know, arrangements and track selection yeah. and, you know, nope, try it again. I think they say that a lot. They do that a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can we get a little more reverb? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, so, so just so people know what we talk about when we, and there's some uh, big name producers with, a, with uh, you know, very distinct sound and, uh, right. s- and uh, some guys that, uh, some, maybe some unsung heroes that like, oh, I didn't know that was the same guy. Yeah. So, so um, anyway, there you go. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I, I steered away from like, uh, I, like I, I, lo- I love Roy Thomas Baker, but I yeah. felt, well, if I use him, I'm going to be playing a litany of music that I've played already because right. he's produced, <laughs> you know, Foreigner, Journey, Queen, The Cars, Cheap Trick, Alice Cooper. And I'm like, I can't do Roy Thomas Baker, even though I, I love him as a producer. For that same reason, I steered away from Steve Albini. Like, yeah. The Pixies, Nirvana. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, Breeders, I'm going to be playing like all that. But uh, 
so, so, uh, so I, I picked somebody. Else. So who did you? I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you go first. Who did you pick? And Gary was afraid that maybe we would pick the same producer. So I purposely picked someone I didn't think he would pick. So I'm anxious to see who you pick, Gary. I, I was worried because I, I picked somebody with with a lot of Pat centric credits, uh, you know, on his di- discography. But uh, it's a fellow named Chris Thomas. Oh yes, whose very first job was on a little album, self titled 1960 album by a group called The Beatles. Ever hear of them? Mm. And it sounds a little something like this. He played. Uh, this is his very first job. He's like, uh, he writes a letter to George Martin. Oh wait, he like he like actually plays on this track. So we will hear some bungalow Bill here for a second. That's him on the uh, organ back there. You can hear a little bit. So Captain Marvel zapped him right between the eyes. Oh, did you So that's, um, you know, writes, writes a letter to George Martin. I'm interested in being a record producer. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. Ballsy. Come on down. You know, that's, that's how things used to work back in the old days. So, uh, so it's, that's his first job. He's kind of helping engineer and just like in the lay of the land. And at one point. Like uh, in, almost interning. Yeah, exactly. On, it's on an internship. The freaking Beatles White Album. And at one point, George Martin goes on holiday and leaves him in charge. So he's like, you know, he's he's like actually produces a few tracks, and you know, he has to tell John Lennon, "Nope, try it again." You know, like uh, what do the lads time. say? They must have just been cool with it. All right, they went with it, and 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 that was when they were kind of working on their own a lot too. So yeah. like he's you know tell some stories like he'd be worth with George on one thing, and Paul's like goofing on another thing. So, but still, it, it's like kind of cool. And from there, uh, uh, he went on to mix a little album called Dark Side of the Moon. Ever hear that? Hmm? That sounds a little something like this. <laughs> I didn't pick good examples, <laughs> but uh, so he just mixed this. He didn't pr- uh, produce it, but uh, you know, just all uh, all four Floyds around him at all times, like you know, just like yelling at him. You know, and he's like in his early twenties, but uh, you know, this this one that like really stood the test of time. I'm so high right now. <laughs> <laughs> So you're probably thinking, uh, boring dinosaur rock doesn't even do anything cool. Well, uh, maybe you heard of another little album called Never Mind the Bullocks. some range like uh, you know uh johnny rotten used to famously wear like a pink floyd t-shirt with i hate written on it so to, you know dark side of the moon and never mind the bollocks that's some range that is definitely some range so we're gonna hear uh, uh, more about uh uh chris thomas some of the other great things that he's done some of the not so great things he's done and some of the more recent things he's done that you might not realize cool and you'll I love know it. a little bit more about chris thomas now i'm dying to hear who, who you picked well i picked someone who who now is probably considered um mainstream probably he's probably like the go-to guy that people go to uh he's a he's a very handsome man <laughs> um, uh, i picked rick rubin oh my goodness okay very and good. uh and he has been around for a long time since like 1981 
He's been producing stuff. But I guess the first time we really heard Rick Rubin was uh, was with uh, with uh, the rap artist like Run DMC and uh, and these guys. And then I always uh, I, I attribute to this guy for melding rock and rap with this song. Oh my goodness. Same beat. <laughs> yep, both from 86. Suck on that, Lincoln oh, Park. Just, <laughs> just give me a kiss. So that was uh, that was No Sleep Till Brooklyn by the Beastie Boys from '86, and uh, Walk This Way from Raising Hell, the Run DMC album, where they invited some uh, drug addicts to come in and and uh, re-record their song. <laughs> and uh, for the people playing along at home on their. Uh, on the on the uh, Rick Rubin beard thermometer, like how long is the beard now? It's it's, it's, it's we're still fairly close cropped. Yeah, we're close cropped now. Yeah. He's not. Uh, he has. Not, it's funny. It's funny you should say that because right now he is. Uh, he's in the studio with ZZ Top. Oh, that's so funny! Wow, I know. Finally. I, isn't that hysterical? <laughs> Meaning of the beards. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm going to touch on some other uh, more diverse artists uh, as we go. But that I think the first time we anyone heard of Rick Rubin was he was doing the the rap mostly. You know, with um, with LL Cool J, and he was all, but he was also a metal guy. He was doing stuff with. Slayer, so and that was enemy. that was Slayer's guitarist on No Sleep Till Brooklyn. That's what Matt's really? telling me. I it, did not know that. Yeah, there's a, there's a guitar solo in there. That's so again, both of Carrie their songs. King. Yeah, I think something like that. So there's um there's rock and rap on both of those songs. Then, if you really wanted to, uh, hey, if push came to shove. <laughs> Carrie King, together. back to you, Mr. Chris Thomas. So I, uh, uh, based on his notoriety with the uh, with with his early credits, he. Uh, he parlays that into uh, producing the last uh, few Badfinger records, which aren't too noteworthy, as you've pointed out, and also the last few Procol Harum records. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's a hit or two yeah. on a few of those, right? But uh, was, somehow this leads to a chance meeting with Brian Ferry, and this is where the uh, where the Chris Thomas really explodes for me, the, his story, because uh, you know it was it was all very casual. He was there to like meet John Cale or to produce like one of his you know albums that nobody listens to when. Uh, uh, Brian Ferry's like, oh, yeah, we need a producer. So, uh, so he said, okay. They just hit it off, and he ends up with this string of genius albums, starting with uh, their second album, For Your Pleasure. He does Your Stranded. He does Your Siren. He does Your Country Life, and he does Your uh, Viva Roxy Music. And uh, I'm missing one in there, but it's just just unprecedented, amazing records. Sound as fresh as uh, as fresh as a daisy today, as the day they were made, or you know any area era that you're listening to. Uh, this is uh, uh, needle drop. This one, Matt, about maybe like forty-five seconds, and we're uh, I think I think we're going to hear something that might be uh, classified as part of the uh, Chris Thomas sound. This is uh, a. 
This is out of the blue, and uh, to me, the, the the key to the Chris Thomas sound is uh, the bass. He's a bass player by trade, and uh, all of his records have a lot, like a lot of strong, not funky or obtrusive bass. But uh, there's this one cool riff in here. I probably should have figured out. But this is kind of like this is like the entire Duran Duran discography is based on this song. I think it's like very much. Uh, That's good. So that's cool. That's out of the blue. That's on Country Life. Everybody needs all those Chris Thomas Rocks music albums. Meets a lass uh, uh, who and encourages her to get into the music business uh, named Chrissy Hind. Who? Yes. And uh, uh, he uh, uh, produces those uh, uh, first three classic Pretenders albums and uh, is credited as the fifth Pretender on, uh, on Learning to Crawl. But um, yeah, maybe drop in this one about 45 seconds in. He really creates like this sonic environment with like very few tricks. And it just, it's just so classic. This is up the neck, but let me see if we get, uh, like... It's like, the, the uh, guitar's like a separate character, like in this song. With my head pressed between my knees Under the bed of my teeth sunk into my own Amazing, sumptuous, yeah, and, and it's um, taking these yeah very basic elements of, of rock, but like uh, uh, building castles out of, with them, and uh, also uh, evident in that is on the uh, on those dope uh, solo Pete Townsend albums, oh, such yes. as Empty Glass. Listen to this. Uh, I love this little overture to uh, Rough Boys that we'll hear here, because uh, you know otherwise this would be a pretty standard like uh, chugga chugga. Maybe like oh, a Who knockoff or something, but no. Uh, no, he produced the best, the three best Pete Townsend solo albums: yeah. Empty Glass, Chinese Eyes, and White City. Mm-hmm. Bass again. So then it's uh, brings us up to uh, the mid '80s, and then, I'm not. I'm gonna say this is where things start to go wrong because it's like he continues to be a big name and like have a lot of hits, but uh, he's working with a band called In Excess on their third album uh, called Listen Like Thieves, and he doesn't hear a hit. And uh, he has <laughs> he has this algorithm where like, I, was, I was I was reading about like in Mix Magazine, he's like what. If we could remove the twelfth song and fi- replace it with a song that's as good as the sixth best song, mm-hmm. then it would be that much better. <laughs> and, uh, so he, had, he do, do you have something that's as good as the sixth best song? And uh, and Andrew Fair says like uh, I just been working on this riff. It just you know all I pretty much have is like chank chank chank. That's it, <laughs> and that becomes what you need. That becomes like their big breakout hit, they, and they become monsters after that. Let's hear, uh, let's hear a little bit of not that song. Let's hear uh, "Kiss the Dirt," "Falling Down the Mountain," which is kind of the same song. And listen, like thieves is. I mean, that song's jammed with hits. Oh yeah, yeah, tons of hits on there. A lot of space, a lot of air in here. Maybe a little too much space. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so, uh, so here he is. That's uh, Chris Thomas in uh, Full Flower. The golden, the Midas touch can't uh, can't lose. So uh, on our, on our next chapter, we'll see maybe the uh, dark side of, uh, of of his work. <laughs> but uh, meanwhile, what's uh, Rick Rubin up to? Rick Rubin is moving into 1987 and through 89. He's going to work with uh, some uh, different types of artists. Uh, he's going to produce uh, some songs on the Less Than Zero soundtrack, including oh, yeah. uh, this remake by this girl group from California. Oh, so good. Simon and Garfunkel song. I didn't even know this was a Simon Garfunkel song when I first heard this in the 80s. Right, I don't think a lot of people did. Yeah, it yeah. Was, so that's like uh, good for him to like dig it out. Yeah. You see the potential, like put these two together. And, uh, you know, these, you know, because that makes sense, like yeah. a harmony group doing like one of their songs, but then to rock the hell out of it. It's amazing. Then he jumped in with a band called The Cult. And uh, their first album was called Love and does not sound like their second album, which is the Rick Rubin produced Electric. Electric. And I don't even know if we're going to get to any lyrics here, but I just want to jump in. This might be my favorite. The groove is amazing. Love this, removal machine. This drum sound is obnoxious. Yes. It's so great. ACDC are ringing their solicitors. I know. <laughs> we don't even need to get to Ian Asbury. It's just great all the way through. Oh, okay. Check it. You want to hear more, you go buy it, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and then in 89, this is, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a rap music guy at all, but this is such a cool song. I love this song. I think it was also on Less Than Zero, but it's also on Walking with a Panther, LL Cool J. Where are we going? So yeah, this is on Less Than Zero. I put this on last night. My wife actually was dancing in, seductively in the bedroom. So I kept it on all night. In a loop. I don't think so. What? I don't think so. Cali, styling, profiling, styling, smiling, while in the sun, the top is down on the black corvette, and it's black horses sitting on the And this is how the East Coast, West Coast rap feud started. That's right. <laughs> That's not, not true at all. <laughs> so I just, those, I just wanted to uh, play those as three uh Totally different sounds, totally different bands, and uh, all cool. Just, uh, I mean, like, for, for whatever gifts that L.O. brings to it, like his charisma and... Uh, muscles. You know, yeah, and his muscles and everything like that, <laughs> and his, his, his technique. I mean, that's, that's such a tour de force of, uh, of what Rick Rubin brings to the table. Just like, uh, you know, that, that's like a guy who spent a lot of times, like, on his knees at the record store, like, in the bins down below, <laughs> like, looking for things, looking for sounds. Like that horn at the beginning. Yes! <laughs> Amazing scratching. I I love that you can tell a Rick Rubin rap song. I mean, you can actually hear his drum. He had, like you were saying about the cult. Like he definitely has a distinctive style of miking drums too. But that you could hear any song from the Def Jam catalog from the eighties that he did, and you'd be like, oh, that yeah, that's Rick Rubin. Yep, he 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 mics the hell out of those drums. Cool. 
Okay, so uh, uh, meanwhile, b- back with uh, uh, Chris Thomas. Now, now he's a superstar, and he could pretty much do whatever he wants. So I think he makes a choice. Like he's made his art records, you know, his right. his his uh, legacy is secure. So so he just, you know. I'm not saying he's sold out or anything because I mean, you know, come on. He just like he's 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 a guy who wants to work and he wants to work with the uh, biggest names or his friends, whoever asks him. So he kind of takes up a like a like a decades long residency with Elton John. But and but we have to say Elton he brings Elton John back. Yeah, yeah, up and down. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know we can argue about this, but I love the that early '80s Elton John wearing a hat. I love that stuff. I love Jump Up and the Fox and Too Low for Zero, Breaking Hearts. Those might be my favorite Elton John records. Do you do you love this one? Uh, uh, I am your robot from Jump Up. I, am, I love Jump Up. It's my favorite Elton John album. Really? So I do like this. Bernie Taupin calls it his worst <laughs> by a long shot. It's so funny because there's a lot of people say will say uh, the worst album is this. And I'm like that's oh, my favorite. And no, I, and there's there's some cool songs and there's some very uh, empty empty songs. gardens on this album. Empty garden is awesome. And blue eyes is on this album. Yeah, and see, listen. Like you would you guess Elton John yet? No. No. Sticks maybe. Yes, you're right. <laughs> you might be picking the worst track off Jump Up. <laughs> but um and you know, obviously his nineteenth and twenty third albums are not gonna be right. Good by Yellow Rick Road. Exactly. Robot man. He's <laughs> a robot man. She's got a sabotage on the silver key to a club. I am your robot. I am your robot. <laughs> I am your robot. <laughs> I take it back. This is awesome. There's a great song on there called Ball and Chain that Pete Townsend plays acoustic guitar. Oh, is that a fact? Yeah. All these are worth hearing. And this is like, you know, like I guess that's why they call it the blues and I'm still standing and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's... Sad song. Yeah, it's all, I mean, tons of Elton John hits in those early 80s albums. And it's it's, uh, Chris Thomas. So, you know, he'll he'll work on that in the spring and summer in Montserrat and then like he'll, I don't know, winter with NXS and he'll, you know, do Mm -hmm. like an increasingly, the increasingly successful and shittier NXS albums. Or the Pretender, the first three Pretenders albums are all Chris Thomas. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Have you been listening to this podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but I just wanted to say he didn't just do the first one; he did the first three. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I thought I pointed that out. But the the uh, you might have. So the uh, this like eighties and nineties uh, period, it's uh, kind of a dark period. And uh, he's also uh, oversees the last uh, Wings album, and this is like like kind of a misstep, I think, like that Back to the Egg album, because part of the what the producer does is uh, you know like like we said, you know, kick off the twelfth best track and bring on you know something. And this is uh, this was like a like a. Like a like a B side from those sessions that's better than anything that was on that and it's called uh, daytime nighttime suffering. Do you know this song from? Uh, I don't know this song. What does she get for all the love she gave? Oh. No, I think I do know this. Yeah, it's got some airplanes.
track on that shit burger, Chris Thomas. What a what don't make me buy a single or whatever to uh, to get that. So uh, so now uh, so now things are looking dark. Will Chris Thomas ever come back with any more classic albums? It remains to be seen in my next part of the show. <laughs> well, Rick Rubin does something in 1989. I don't even know if you need a producer to do this, but he does it anyway. This guy decides to hitch his wagon to a comedian. What? Named Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> All right. Listen to this drum sound. Oh! And he's going to produce Dice's first album called Dice. Let's hear a little of that ridiculousness. <laughs> Let's say you fucking. I don't know, you fucking dog style, right? All right, sir. Let's say you fucking dog style. And the chick. Gets pregnant. I mean, uh, would the kid pop out backwards? <laughs> okay, that doesn't even make sense on many levels. Doesn't make any sense at all. But as you can hear, uh, that he's got that audience mic'd but good. He's miking up uh, fraternity guys, uh, unemployed lunkheads. Uh, he brought in a bunch of guys from a sports bar, and he goes, "I'm going to mic you up." And then in '92, he I, got, I go, "Hold on, though. I got to say, you you told me that yesterday, right?" That joke and and look and I saw Dice I saw him live in like ninety one or something. In so person, I, I was a fan. Yeah. Okay, but like you, I you telling it to me, I was like, oh my god, ridiculous. But then hearing it, I feel like there is a there is a hint of knowingness in, in his delivery. <laughs> that he knows he's saying something <laughs> that he, stupid. That, that, that is uh, that there is a level of irony there that the, obviously the crowd is not. Uh, no, they're not getting uh, aware they're not of. Getting but that. I I give him a little credit. There's some there's a little craft okay. there. Give it up. Give it All up. All right. All right, he's doing a character. So, so noted, yeah. so noted. Okay, and so then he goes on to produce a couple of Dice albums, and he, he also uh, produces, I'm not a Leno fan, so I included from uh, 42 Long. This is Dice uh, Just Says No to Leno. That's the name of the track. Here's how it starts. When I watch Jay Leno on TV now, now he always had a head the size of a chandelier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think he's a cocksucker personally. <laughs> that made the album. This is a guy, like, when my career took off, it wasn't good because I didn't do, like, 7-Eleven jokes, you know. Like, he'll do 7-Eleven jokes, but he won't talk about the fucking gooks that run the joint. <laughs> you know, but I don't... It's funny because it's go. true. Rick Rubin really offensive. Gooks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where is he? Where, what 7-Eleven is he going I to? don't know where he's going. <laughs> Chinatown? Hanoi, I guess. I don't know. So, uh, so I just... That's, uh, that's my comedy break for a second. I don't even know if it's comedy break. But go ahead. I'm throwing it back to you, Gary. <laughs> Interesting. Well, this... Yeah, he does like six Dice albums. He produces like... I guess, I guess he said, you know, there's money in these so let me produce them yeah and it, it it makes sense on some level you know it's uh kind of the same audience as as, know, as slayer the, yeah maybe yeah. Yeah, and, and dice was a rock star i mean if for people who don't remember right. who are too young like he played madison square garden right he would come out with a leather jacket on people would go fucking crazy right he was the closest thing to a rock star i think maybe in in, in the history comedy. of comedy yeah Steve. and he was on def jam right so so it was like uh, Def Jam Records, yes, yeah, yes. So yeah, that, now it all makes sense. Not, yeah. not Def Comedy Jam. No, no, not <laughs> Def Comedy Jam. <laughs> so he, yeah, so he he made a pretty penny on those. Okay, cool. Uh, so all right, so now it's like the nineties, and uh, yeah, you know, if you think of Rick Thomas at, or Chris Thomas at all, you think like, oh, the, yeah, he, he used to be good, but now he's just kind of you know like uh, you know that Elton John hit machine. That's not for me anymore. But then uh, he comes back with an album that uh, you read any of the British music magazines. Uh, this is one of those that like is always like in the you know one of the all-time greatest uh, british albums it is by 
Pope. It is called Different Class. It's got your common people. It's got your sorted for ease and whiz. And it's got uh, this track, uh, Underwear, on Rock Solid. Why don't you shut the door and close the curtains? Because you're not going anywhere. He's coming up the stairs. And in the moment, he'll want to see you. Stop it now, there's no way to get out It's standing far too near How the hell did you get here? me naked in somebody else's room I give my whole life to see it Just you So he does that when he does the other great uh, pulp uh, record This is Hardcore and uh, in the 2000s, well, he, he worked with a group called Razor Light. Uh, most recently, a band called Mystery Jets, which uh, I have not heard. I looked for it. I couldn't find it. But uh, here's one you might know. And uh, uh, he, he does not uh, – uh, Spanish is not a second language uh, for him, obviously. <laughs> but uh, this, is a, uh, this is a song that was uh, – I think it won a Grammy for him. And it's uh, maybe the last uh, great uh, Chris Thomas track that we have so far. But who knows what will cook up next. And uh, I think you might recognize this from uh, iPod commercials or something. You know this one. a long time and uh, you know, when I was putting this together I'm like oh my god this is a fantastic song this now, is stands up with all their now Gary hits. Yeah. I'm about to pull the rug out from under you uh oh Chris Thomas did not produce Vertigo what Steve Lillywhite produced that song motherfucker Chris Thomas produced Sometimes You Can't Make It On Your Own he produced uh, One Step Closer, and he produced Yahweh on that album. But we he, couldn't do this in private? But he did not. <laughs> he did, well, you, there's people, you, you don't want people to start emailing, Gary, you don't post in Gary, you I, stupid uh, idiot, yeah, or anything. I guess I don't want but, that. But uh, no, Steve Lillywhite produced Vertigo. because oh, Chris Thomas. I'm looking, at the, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the credits of the individual tracks on... Uh, on all that you can. Good night, Springton. There would be no encore. <laughs> so, but nonetheless, those songs that he did produce uh, on on Atomic Bomb are good songs. I guess. <laughs> Look at the bright side. We got to hear uh, Vertigo, which is that's true. Which that's is awesome. true. See, and uh, how about that, Steve Lillywhite? <laughs> yeah, I, I knew I should have did him. Yeah. Oh, sad uh, story. He did, he did that that. Uh, that Dave Matthews Band album that got yeah. trashed, <laughs> got shelved for a while. Uh, <laughs> hey, we got to Whoa, we're running short on time. I got a bunch of stuff to play. Okay, uh, I'm, move, I'm done. So you go. Okay, we move into the 90s, and Ruben now starts to work with some some veteran artists, including uh, we're going to hear something from Tom Petty's Wildflowers, and then we're going to hear something from ACDC's Ball Breaker. Here's Tom Petty. Drum sound again. To the point. 
Yep. Love Wildflowers. Yes, Wildflowers is great. And then uh, I don't even know if people n- know this ACDC album. It's called uh, Ball Breaker. <laughs> and uh, this is a song called, I'm not even, it's called Love Bomb. <laughs> love Bomb, Love Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> it's a coming on strong. I can take it any longer. Coming rocking through here. The union of Rick Rubin and ACDC yes. It's like It's like when you have two friends That you think like Oh you guys are gonna date an awesome man A total matchmaker This is gonna be great Like Oh so how was your date with ACDC That's good It was okay It was, it was okay know? Oh man So you're like This is something we've all longed for Rock fans Like if only those two would get together And it was okay Yeah What, <laughs> what happens when a love bomb comes And hits you in the face <laughs> I'll tell you <laughs> um, Then we're gonna Love we're, comes I, in spurts then uh, this is where this is where uh, this is then Rick Rubin hitches his wagon to this this guy. Who's this guy? Anyone ever heard of Johnny Cash? And um, this is when we enter the Mesozoic period of the Rubin Cannon. So this is a Nine Inch Nail song, right? Hurt, right? And I, of course, everyone always says haunting. This came up on an earlier episode, right, Gary? Because he changed a lyric. Is that true? Oh. Am I making that up? Hmm. I don't recall. Maybe. I might be thinking of somebody else. I know people were mad that he changed. That he changed some, oh, some, some word. Cash did whatever. <laughs> so um, that's a that, talk about producing. That's like you know. That's like he like dragged the guy out of his grave. Yeah, and, I know. Like, it's and, just like, like a, revived it's like the crypt keepers singing a tune to you. But yeah, but like gave him like you know, and just this whole like fourth act to Johnny yeah, Cash's great career. You know, all courtesy of like the magic of uh, the of a great producer. And now, I love that there's no drum, but the the. Piano and it is percussive, kicking your yeah, ass the whole time. Amazing, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fucking crazy. Uh, so then, in uh, in two thousand five, uh, Rick Rubin uh, wants to work with Neil Diamond, and he tells <laughs> Neil, he goes, "I want you to play guitar while you sing because you sing differently when you're playing guitar than you do when you're just singing." And he so he wants Neil to do a whole stripped down album. Uh, like Johnny Cash but Neil does original songs he doesn't do covers mm-hmm. so uh, they do a song called 12 Songs yeah. and it does really well and then three years later they do another one called Home Before Dark and again he tells Neil the same thing it's just you it's guitar and this actually album goes to number one I think it's Neil Diamond's first number one album really? it's a song called Pretty Amazing Grace huh. and he does sing Amazing Grace he sings better when he's playing his guitar and singing and will amazing grace reclaim my heart Love in the midst of chaos Calm in the heat of war Showed with amazing grace what love was for 
forgave my insensitivity and my I heard that. That's cool. Yeah, those are those are pretty cool albums. Uh, and yeah, he doesn't have that schmaltzy Vegasy thing as much when he sings like this. So Rick Rubin was on to something. Strip it down to its basic parts. If you want to have some good YouTube fun, look up uh, Neil Diamond and uh, on the Johnny Cash show in the in sixties and uh, doing some. Uh, Brother Loves Traveling Salvation oh. Show. Ah, it's a good. So there's uh, uh We're going to skip the next two tr- songs. It was uh, it's uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. We know Rick Rubin's association with them. He's like the the fifth member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and uh, the fifth throbbing member. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then he produced uh, he produced a Weezer album called Make Believe, and I I, okay. uh, I, I don't think a lot of fa- Weezer fans aren't. Spoiler in- alert: There's pier- piercing guitar licks, yeah. and a heavy drum, <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm going to jump to my uh, to my last three clips of Rick uh, working with the ladies. So uh, nice. this is uh, this is uh, Cheryl Crow singing a cover of a of a very popular metal song, and Rick produced this. Let's hear. You'll know what it is. I forgot about this. And then in 2006, he takes up with a couple of chicks from Dixie <laughs> called the Dixie Chicks. This is a song Love called it. Not Ready to Make Nice. Love it. And they, then bef- they sure sound mad. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt your flow, but yeah, I was saying this per- perfectly captures my feeling that I have right now. Like, but I went to the Seven Eleven before the show, yeah, and the guy gives me a two dollar bill for change. What the hell what am the I supposed f- to do with well, that? I turn around and I buy a pack of gum and throw it right back in his fucking. Because you ain't ready to make nice. <laughs> Why did those gooks at the Seven Eleven do that to you? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, before I play my last song, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, Rick Rubin is currently working in the studio with ZZ Top, Lincoln Park, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Black Sabbath, the Avet Brothers, I don't know who they are. Oh, they're Must, must yeah. be new. Avet yeah. and uh, Metallica. <laughs> so, all uh, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, all together on one album. <laughs> yeah. No, so that's his slate for 2012. So and We heard from a little birdie over the weekend that he doesn't even show up a lot now, nowadays. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he, maybe he's uh, he's doing some executive he producing. He puts his but, name on some stuff. He's like Christo. <laughs> he doesn't wrap the islands in cellophane. He, but uh, this is a song that he did produce. Uh, and uh, from what I read, uh, he worked this uh, woman into a, uh, a frenzy. Oh, she uh, she said he was a taskmaster. Oh, this is from the album Twenty One. He produced a couple of tracks on Adele's uh, recent album, and this is called "Don't You Remember." When will I see you again? You left with no goodbye, not a single. She's awful. No final kiss to see any I had no idea of we were. That's Adele. I know I have a fickle heart. 
Oh, there's the drum. <laughs> nice. I know. He wonder if he has dice come in and help him co-produce. <laughs> come on, Adele. <laughs> Hit the note. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to sing that dice. <laughs> Don't you remember dice? Get me a sandwich, baby. <laughs> Copyright 2011, Jimmy Pardo. <laughs> that's right. So uh, that's our producer show. That was fun. This was a really good idea. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I've, been, I've been taking a little heat on the internet about, like, maybe, like, uh, I know this show was going to be like like really classic rock centric, so uh, I wanted to end with something that I've been grooving to lately. It's yeah, from let's do it. uh, it's it from, wasn't really classic rock centric though. It Johnny was Cash, it's, it's Adele, the, Dixie Chicks, it spanned the decades. Yeah, and, and LL, LL, LL? It Dice. Was, it was it was a lot of variety, but I wanted to play something from, from the 2000s. Okay, and this is some that came out late last year that I just uh, became aware of, and uh, this is my uh, new favorite jam of the week. It's a uh, Sleeper Agent and Get Burned. Like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Thing, follow, write a review. Bye bye.